What a great prayer as we turn now to God's Word. We will be considering today the uh, work of the Spirit as He intercedes for us. And we'll be beginning in verse uh, 18 of Romans chapter 8. Uh, This, I believe, is page 944 in your your, uh, pew Bible. Thank you. This is God's Word, Romans 8, beginning at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait Uh, eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is, is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, uh, for, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. Last week, uh, we considered uh, the Spirit's work of illumination. The Spirit helps us to understand the Word. The Spirit caused the Word to be given to us, and the Spirit also works in us that we can see it and get it and enlightens our eyes to the beauty of the Gospel. Today, we're going to consider uh, how the Spirit helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. And you might be sitting there and you might think, well, I know what's going on next. The Spirit is continuing to do what Jesus does, and that is Jesus intercedes for us, right? We love that. 
that Jesus is the mediator at the right hand of God. And he is covering the accusations that we feel from the enemy or from our own hearts, covering those accusations with his blood. We think from the the letter to the Hebrews that as the perfect high priest, he always lives to intercede for us. We know about the intercession of Jesus. And it is possible to sort of think in those terms so quickly that we miss the distinct privilege an amazing reality of the intercession of the Spirit. It is unique. And we will see today why he prays for us and also how he prays for us. John Murray puts it this way, to distinguish the intercession of Christ and that of the Spirit. Christ is our intercessor in the court of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the inter, our intercessor in the theater of our hearts. Christ in heaven, interceding for us. The Spirit in our hearts. Calvin puts it this way, prayer is an emotion of the heart poured out and laid open before God. That's how much prayer, the intercession of the Spirit works in us. An emotion of the heart poured out and laid open before God. The Spirit works in the raw reality of our hearts. So that we mouth words like that of of Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? I would ask you this morning, are you somewhat dissatisfied with your prayer life? (laughs) Many Christians are dissatisfied with how we pray. Don't know how to pray. Don't know what to pray for. This morning, I want to see how the Holy Spirit is helping you to pray in ways that you perhaps have never even considered before. And you may learn that you are far closer to biblical praying than you even thought as the Spirit groans with you. As the Spirit groans with you. I want to look at just verses 26 and 27, but I want to do it in the context of the entire chapter. The Spirit, first of all, helps you in your weakness. Uh, do, you, can, do you know the story of Waldo finding Waldo? Do you know that story? You've got a very busy uh, page, of uh, illustration in a book. It's got all this action going on. And the, and the challenge is to find Waldo. I don't even remember what Waldo is. I'm sorry. But you find Waldo in the midst of all of the busyness of that chapter. That's something what's going on in Romans chapter 8. And something like what goes on in our own lives is finding the Spirit. And we find out that He's everywhere doing all sorts of things for our help. And that's what Romans 8 is actually all about. Uh, in its entirety, the Spirit helps you every step of the way. Very briefly here, verses 2 through 8, the Spirit gives life. He sets you free to live a righteous life. Uh, verses 2 and 4, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He helps you, gives you life and gives you righteousness, living out the righteous life. Verses 9 through 13, He is in you, and He is a life-giving Spirit. 
Verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It's where you are located in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, uh, verses 14 to 17. The Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption. And fear gives way to childlike praying. Verses 15 and 16. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit of adoption now. And then also the spirit that is groaning in this world as it is decomposing, if you will, in verses 18 to 25. He is with us in our suffering in this present time. The creation is groaning. The creation is convulsing with earthquakes, with storms, with droughts, with disease, with colossal damage due to ethnic cleansing, to war. Creation itself is yearning for creation 2.0. Can we put it that way? Yearning for it. And then we groan too. I want you to listen carefully. We groan too when we are honest enough. Listen to this, Romans chapter 7. We are honest enough to engage in this continual, irreconcilable war. The flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit lusting against the flesh. That's something to groan over. When we're honest enough to engage. Secondly, when we're honest enough, or when we love enough, we groan. A child drifts into unfaith. A spouse grows cold or is consistently acting out of what we would desire. Love, when you love enough, you groan. Thirdly, when your body breaks down. Growing old, there was a saying in in my old church in Frederick, um, growing old ain't for sissies. uh, Our bodies break down and we yearn. We yearn for the adoption that is still to come. That is the resurrection of our bodies, the new bodies that are given to us. In all of these things, the Spirit is your first installment of the renewed creation. By the Spirit, then, we wait and we groan. The Spirit is involved in absolutely everything that you're doing. And that's why Jesus could say, the Helper, the Helper, that is Jesus, the, the paraclete, the, remember that word paraclete, it means called to, one called to your side who encourages and helps. One called to your side who encourages and helps. Jesus is, is the helper and he promises another helper, the Holy Spirit. He even goes so far as to say, it's better that I go because the Father will send you another helper to be with you forever. And you will know this helper because He dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is saying when He is ascended into heaven, life will get better for His people, because they have the Spirit, who helps us every step of the way, including in our prayers. Well, how does He do that? 
First of all, are you spirit-dependent? Would you call yourself a spirit-dependent Christian? Another way to ask that question is, have you experienced freedom? Have you experienced the freedom of obedience? It's a delight to you, and the Lord grants you grace to do that. Are you, a spirit, are you spirit dependent? You will not get very far in the Christian life if you do not feel your weakness. You will not get very far in the Christian life if you are not well aware and have a growing sense of awareness how much you need Jesus. You will not get very far. The Spirit helps us, first of all, then. The Spirit helps us, especially in our prayers. See, see how this verse opens up in Romans 8. Um, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then this is the expression of weakness. We don't even know what to pray for. We don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray. Sometimes we are so sick, uh, we are so overcome with adversity... We are, are, are drowning in, the, in the, the, the misery of sin that, that circulates throughout this world. We don't even know what to say. We may have a child that's going through very difficult things. And we don't know what to pray for. We, we could pray, uh, Lord, would you, would you lift the burden that is causing this child to groan? That's one prayer. Could you lift the burden? Could you make life better? Could you make life easier? The second way to pray is, Lord, would you give my child strength to get through this? Don't lift up the burden, but give her strength to get through it. We don't know which to pray for. What do we do? We groan. We can't offer polished, syntactically correct prayers. All we can do is groan because of what's going on in the loved ones around us. All we can do is cry out, Oh God, help. That's about, that's about all you can get out. He helps us in our weakness. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He is with you. He intercedes for you. But He intercedes with groans. With, with sighs that are too deep for words. People have translated this wordless prayers. Wordless groans. It is not, most assuredly not, what uh, Chrysostom said, and many have followed him in the history of the church. It is certainly not speaking in tongues. It is certainly not uttering some angelic or heavenly language. It is not that. It is groaning. It is groaning following the creation that groans in its universal travail. It's groaning like we groan with this agonized longing. This is what Romans 8 is talking about. And just like the creation groans and just like we groan, the Spirit groans too. The Spirit groans because at creation, you recall, the Spirit brooded over the... the, 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 the The watery substance. The Spirit brooded over the watery, watery substance and it became beautiful and harmonious. Man and the creation were at peace with God and with each other. 
and the Spirit grieves over the chaos that Adam ushered in. The Spirit grieves over that chaos, but He grieves over your chaos too. This is almost beyond our imagination. That, that the Spirit identifies with you in your pain, but not only does He identify with you in your pain, but He, but he shares in it and prays for you with groans without words. He helps you by adding His, his yearnings, His longing, His groaning to your wordless prayers, your sighs. The Spirit is, is knit together with your spirit so that when you sigh, He sighs too. We get a glimpse of this in, in, in the way the spirit of adoption is described both in Romans and in Galatians. Uh, in, in Romans it says the spirit, you're given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry. We're doing the crying. But in Galatians, it's put differently. The Spirit cries, Abba, Father. In us, for us, with us. See, you may not even know how to pray. The pain and the discouragement is too great. But you know how to groan, don't you? That is praying in the Spirit. He groans with you. And I would say that's also a way that we come to know the Spirit. Jesus said, you recall, He'll be in you and with you, and that's how you'll know Him. You know Him in part through your groaning, because He is with you in that. Now, are, are we implying or stating that your, your, your prayers must consist of groaning? No, we're not saying that. We're given the Lord's Prayer. We prayed through the Lord's Prayer already today. But we are saying that your prayers must include groaning. They must. Again, you struggle against sin. You groan because your intention. Romans 7 puts it this way. You do what, you're, what you hate. That's something to groan about. There is a constant war that rages. You have a renewed mind and you love righteousness, but the remaining flesh pulls you away and at times influences you to sin so that you join Paul and say, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? The Spirit groans with you in those moments as you struggle against sin. The Spirit groans with you and in you with unspeakable groans. Your prayers must include groaning, and they will if you love deeply. If you love deeply, you will groan in the failures, the challenges, the fears of the loved ones who become, that become yours. Love links you to them uh, in their weaknesses, their unmet longings, and in their fears. You grieve over the sins of loved ones who are stuck in destructive patterns. If you love deeply, you will groan. And the Spirit groans with you. And you, you groan when your body decays. Now, I read this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
this is a this was not a, this was not a biologist. This was a theologian. But he said, at 30, listen to this. At 30, your body begins to decline <laughs> until you're not until you're until you're dead. When you're 30. Uh, he didn't say this, but I think there might be a big jump towards that decline at age 67 and 68. And we say, you're not supposed to be this way. But we do, as Romans 8 says, groan inwardly as we, as we eagerly await the adoption of our bodies. We groan in this current condition because we look forward to that time when we will experience God, see God with greater clarity. In fact, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. We're not there yet, so we groan. We're not there yet. We live by faith and not by sight, and we want to live by sight. So we groan. And the Spirit groans with you. Are you frustrated because your prayers aren't eloquent? Are you frustrated because your prayers aren't consistent? Try groaning. Help! And if that's the best you can get out, that's great. The Spirit's right there. Help me. Help me. That's all you can say? Well, then the Spirit will finish that prayer with His own groans that are beyond words. And maybe this is where you get to know the Spirit best. He is unbelievably close. He is in you, groaning with you, groaning for you. The Spirit groans. But then He groans, listen, according to the will of God. The Spirit prays according to the will of God. This is in verse verse 27. He may feel distant to you. He may feel even absent or disinterested. But he knows and understands your groan. He knows and understands your groaning. You see, the Father who searches our hearts as he alone can knows the Spirit, the Spirit's mind as he alone can because the Spirit intercedes according to God's will. Now, can you, can, can you imagine... God saying no to God. God always answers the Spirit's prayers. Would the Spirit ask for something contrary to God's will? Of course not. And this is where John Stott helps me understand this passage and helps, helps I hope this will be a great help to you. You, you, pray, for, for, you pray for relief from suffering. You pray that the suffering, that, that the occurrence that is causing you to groan will be lifted. You pray for that. And sometimes God lifts that groaning. But not usually. We are never done with sin and its misery in this life. You pray for relief from suffering. But you have another prayer uh, give, for, to give you strength to get through it. To know that Christ is in, to know Christ in your sufferings, which is also knowing the Spirit. Listen to what the Africans would would uh, would sing as they as they labored on this soil as members of the new creation. Now, Lord, don't move my mountain, but give me the strength to climb. 
And Lord, don't take away my stumbling blocks, but lead me around them. The Spirit answers according to God's will. The Spirit prays that you will have relief from your suffering, that the, the, what causes you to suffer would be lifted. He prays that, or He prays that you will have strength to get through your suffering, to get around that mountain. The Spirit answers according to God's will, one way or the other, so that, so that, now, Romans 8.28 makes sense. So that, listen to what it goes on, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. The Spirit has you right where He wants you. And it is not to simply remove all of the burdens of your life as if you were promised that the best things of life were coming to you now. As if your dreams would always come true. As if that perfect guy would show up. As if your child would be healed. As if you would get that job. God loves you and you'll get what you want. That's the way some people read this text. But if you read it in the context of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you can read it this way. Rejoice because the Holy Spirit's been praying for you. And you're going to get what's best. You're going to get what you need most of all. Maybe your groaning will ease in this area. Maybe, as we rejoiced last Sunday night, a granddaughter comes to Christ. Maybe the sick will be healed. Maybe a broken relationship will be restored. You want that. You pray for that. You may get it. Or you will get the Spirit's strength to thrive through your groaning. And isn't that more likely? Alexander Solzhenitsyn was going through unbelievable suffering in the Soviet prison, for which he became thankful. Bless you, prison, he said. Bless you for being in my life. For there, lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity, as we're made to believe, but the maturity of the Christian soul. That's what the Spirit's after. You see, you see, you get then, you get then the big picture. The big picture that starts at verses 31 and following, uh, or 29 and following. Groaning continues often, and groaning shapes you. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. Groaning shapes you. And your best life is surely coming. In fact, it's already started. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Your glorification has already begun. Is it possible, therefore, for you to be defeated? Is it possible for you to be thwarted? No, we will say again, God has you right where He wants you. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
rhetorical question. No one. Nothing. Is it possible for God to withhold good from, from you? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Is it possible for you to wither under accusation? Verse 33. Who, who, who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Is it possible for God to dismiss you, to condemn you? Verse 34, who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Is it possible, is it even possible, for the cause of your groaning to separate you from the love of Christ? Did you hear that question? What are you groaning about? Is it possible that what you groan about will itself separate you from the love of Christ. Verse 35 says, No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Name it. Or distress? Name it. Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? Is it possible instead that there are God-glorifying, soul-purifying reasons for your suffering, and it's not punishment or neglect. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Can you say that your suffering your cause for groaning is for the glory of God? You see, now we're ready for the crowning declaration. Now we're ready to hear the crowning declaration. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.